In partnership with Garter World and Crime Stoppers, this will be a syndicated podcast, which will be streamed on all Garter World, as well as Toronto Crime Stoppers platforms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 22 of Crime Stoppers, See It, Say It, Stop It, a podcast that brings you informed discussion about unsolved crimes, wanted persons, awareness campaigns, and how citizens can remain anonymous to help make their community safer. I'm your host, Sean Sporton, Vice President of Garter World National Accounts and Chair of Toronto Crime Stoppers. Uh, Today, we'll be discussing the nexus between retail theft or shoplifting, as most of us know it, and organized crime. You know, what's the connection in that? Uh, We have assembled a panel of seasoned professionals with lots of experience on the topic. Rui Rodriguez from the Retail Council of Canada, Superintendent Bob Gurley from the Halton Regional Police Service, Detective Sergeant Peter Webby from the Toronto Police Service, and Detective Mark Madramoto from Toronto Police, as well as Crime Stoppers. Welcome, everybody. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Let's uh, let's dive into a little bit of, of our backgrounds, and, and Rui, I'll start with you to give a, a little bit of back uh, background of who you are and, and kind of what your mandate is in uh, the Retail Council of Canada. Yeah, thanks, Sean, and thanks for organizing this. I think this is a, a great initiative. So, Rui Rodriguez, uh, I am the advisor for loss prevention risk management with Retail Council of Canada. I've uh, been in retail for about thirty years. With some companies, people that are younger may not remember, like Keaton's. Yep. Uh, But I spend my career in various retail uh, platforms. Uh, The work I do with Retail Council of Canada is really working with retail members across the country and non-members to understand their issues, uh, bring common retailers together on on issues and organize some strategic uh, programs in order to solve for those issues. Over the last couple of years, it's really been focused on bringing about collaboration Mm -hmm. between the retailers, police, Justice Department and government to really look at the increased issues we're seeing with violent crime, prolific offenders, uh, and the lack of, you know, consequences for those activities that is allowing the crime to continue to to rise. Uh, so, right now, the focus is really around understanding the problem mm-hmm. and working with all the great stakeholders at the table to come up with some solutions to impact in a positive result uh, the increase in crime that we're seeing. Sure, Superintendent, how about yourself? My name's Bob Gurley. I'm Superintendent of Halton Regional Police. Um, I've been with them for 22 years, right across the board in a variety of investigative, administrative roles. Um, and the reason I'm at the table today, um, five years ago, as the district inspector, has seen a large spike in the number of retail thefts we had in comparison to the previous years, and it was going up uh, incrementally every year. And so we... Um, decided to take a look and that just involved having one officer um, channel all the retail theft calls in through him and then look for uh, connections. And it wasn't long before we realized that it was a lot of the same individuals who were doing it time and time again and and sometimes going all or undetected or <clears throat> didn't or were back through the court system and back out at it again. Um, so we have did that as a district level, which then went regional. And we're having uh, quite a bit of success with it. And uh, as much of the success comes from the relationship now we've built up with our loss prevention officers, store owners and managers. And from that, I've, I've traveled across. I've been to the Alberta Retail Theft Conference and right. we hosted our, our own in Halton. And um, it's like the, the connection between um, sometimes what people consider the minor retail thefts and the organized crime. Um, is uh, very easy to actually observe at times when given the right resources and the right attention to the matter. And it's just a case of uh, trying to get that priority um, on the agenda and through Rui and, and uh, opportunities like this, 
um, just pushing forward that messaging um, of the significant um, impact retail theft has. For sure, it's an important conversation to have. Pete, what about yourself? So uh, I'm Detective Sergeant Peter Webby um, with the Toronto Police Service. Um, sorry, I'm... I'm just a little closer. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I apologize. I, uh, I'm responsible for the Organized Crime Investigative Support Unit. Right. And what that unit does is it takes complex investigations that is uh, at times uh, more than a division can handle. Mm-hmm. So we, we more or less support divisions. We work with our corporate partners. We work with our police partners uh, provincially and, and even uh, nationally and internationally if necessary. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the primary reason that we were formed is to to take on those complex investigations that relate directly to organized crime. Right. And I understand that in the retail industry, this this could and, and most likely is a very, very large problem. So I'm here today to, to lend any support that we can lend from mm-hmm. Toronto Police Service uh, to build those bridges that we need to build with our corporate partners and our law enforcement partners and, and hopefully uh, move forward collaboratively with all the other police services. So. For sure. Thank you for being here. Mark, what about yourself? What's the uh, what's the background with you? I know you got a lot of investigative, but you're also with Crime Stoppers. Yes. Uh, thanks for the invitation, Sean, and, and everyone here. This is certainly uh, a great uh, platform to be a part of. Um, uh, Mark Majamutu, I've been with uh, Toronto Police nearing uh, 20 years. Um, currently, I'm seconded to uh, the Crime Stoppers uh, platform or program. Um, you know, I'm, I work with a small but mighty team mm-hmm. um, in Crime Stoppers and, and really I'm here to um, continue the legacy of this great program. You know, it's a, a platform to report uh, crimes anonymously. And, and really, we're trying to create that awareness, um, both internally and externally with members of our community, um, to show that this is uh, a platform outside of the non-emergency and emergency line where individuals can um, freely um, contribute to their communities and, and corporations by providing information that will, in turn, um, help our investigators um, um, as we move forward. Perfect. So let's just dive right into it. And <clears throat> I think this question is probably geared towards you, Rui. What is the uh, what is organized retail crime and, and how big is it in Canada? Yeah. And, you know, that terminology is something we've struggled to continue to redefine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a terminology that gets thrown out a lot. And we focus on organized retail crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times ORC that we talk about, but it really is an organized crime, right? It, retail crime is not and the organized retail crime is not exclusively retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been a big education, I think, over the last few years to really try to solidify. Because, you know, when we talk about retail crime and then add organized to it, uh, the general feeling is, and you know, we hear it at times from police services, justice, is that's not an important problem. Right. right? It's a property crime issue. Retailers have big dollars. They can deal with that. Uh, so that whole apathy towards retail crime, and it's not an intentional, it's just... People think about it as shoplifting, right? Somebody stole a pack of gum. Are really going to tie up resources for that? So when we talk about in the terms of organized crime and kind of you can drop the retail part of it because it's not about just retail. Is really looking at the crime that is repeat, that is prolific, that has violence with it, that is really uh, hurting businesses across Canada, uh, and how that's funneling, you know, social media platforms where black market goods are, are being sold. It's funneling the supply and demand of black market goods that people are willing to 
Uh, it's about the economic times that continues to drive that need because people are struggling. So, you know, am I going to pay $100 for a pair of Nikes? Or am I saying it's probably 200 nowadays? Uh, or can I get them 75 bucks, right? Uh, people have an apathy to, I don't really care where it came from. I bought it. Right. I think it was legitimate. So organized crime is about that supply and demand. And, you know, with the times we've gone through over the last three years with COVID, inflation, everything else, it just keeps driving that demand to be there. And criminals are willing to supply it. Mm -hmm. And that's perpetrated this uh, whole increase of violence as well, because organized retail crime groups, the folks leading these organizations, they're not the ones necessarily getting their hands dirty. They're preying upon people that have mental health issues, drug addictions. They need that next fix. Uh, or they're preying upon just folks that are down and out mm -hmm. to go and commit those thefts, to fuel it. But what we've identified more and more, and I think, you know, uh, Superintendent Gorley uh, certainly can share and some of the officers here at the table, is that the criminals in retail are just not retail criminals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're connected to drugs, guns, uh, human trafficking. We've had some great successes where the criminals are identified in retail because retailers a lot of times will have cameras. They can mm -hmm. provide that information to police officers that might help clear these other cases. And as we connect the dots, we recognize and understand that they're tied to even more prolific crimes right. that are impacting our community. So, you know, ORC, as we called it, organized retail crime is important, but it's the focus is to focus on the fact that what we do in retail to identify the criminals helps identify bigger criminal organizations. And I think that's an important part of the conversation that we're going to have today. And Superintendent, I want to turn it over to you because I know you've done a great job in Halton with uh, the collaboration that you've done with private industry and, and in retailers. How, how important is it for a partnership to be had between law enforcement and the retail security community? I mean, that was one of the initial things when we set up the retail theft unit in, I was the at the district at that point in Burlington. Um, we recognized that the collaboration between ourselves and loss prevention officers and store owners um, was uh, at an all-time low. Mm -hmm. So we organized meetings and we hosted the meetings and um, we'd have montage of unidentified suspects uh, rolling while we were doing that. But also we had to understand what each respective needs were. Uh, obviously with some of the retailers, it was getting their loss prevention officer back on the floor and doing their job, not being held up. Um, waiting for us to attend and how we could actually improve the working relationship for, for uh, both of us. And we were looking for a genuine win-win situation, which we were able to do. We provided training, et cetera, to the LPOs to show what we needed in a statement, what we needed in the reports. And then the fact that when our officers went to, if there was someone in custody, that all that uh, pertinent information was sitting there waiting for them and including right. the video data. And uh, so we worked with that and that improved the working relationship. And it said like sometimes the, the smaller, uh, what consider retail thefts, obviously lead to much bigger and we've had uh, success with just simply dealing with gas drive-offs. Mm -hmm. um, funny enough, people who steal cars don't tend to pay for their gas. And Shocking. I know. So, <laughs> But by just taking a look at that, the working relationship with our owners of the gas stations and getting the suitable footage, um, people are... Uh, Suspects were less guarded when they were gassing up than they would be when they're committing right. more serious offences down the road. And just by looking after, it's like that old approach the, in the New York study, the broken window approach, right. you, yeah. you pay attention to the smaller crimes. We're finding good success in tying up from the smaller and then taking it to the left or taking it higher. And as Rui says, 
the unfortunate thing it's people are being preyed upon those with addictions and mental health issues are the ones that are actually doing the dirty work and right. those that are taking the risk and they're getting cents to the dollar for the product that they steal right and then it moves on up the chain to the next level next level and we have had it tied directly into organized crime from a bottle of wine that was stolen and we were just um, we're able to join the dots to take that right. um, several links up the or uh, several steps up the ladder. Um, sure. So again, it all comes into that working relationship with everybody in the collaboration, and and it's worked well for us in Halton. For sure, and I guess that's where we bring in Crime Stoppers, right, in the community engagement part of it, um, as part of that collaboration and the partnership. Um, Mark, what do you what do you see as uh, how Crime Stoppers can help in this? Uh, this vertical, if you will, of, of retail theft and, and, you know, educating the community on, on what Crime Stoppers is and how to report? Well, certainly, um, as, as we know, the, the platform, again, it's a platform outside of the non-emergency and emergency line um, for individuals. Um, you know, there are many people that don't want to call the police for whatever reasons um, they may have. Um, but again, um, you know, having Crime Stoppers there as another platform outside that non-emergency emergency line um you know here's a conduit for you to provide information the information that's provided um is really meant to be a lead for our investigators it's 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 meant to point them in the right direction once you qualify for the um, program um that information sanitized um we we go to every length to ensure that we maintain that anonymity um, throughout. So again, um, you know, many people being exposed or being becoming aware of this platform, um, they feel uh, valued in terms of their community. I'm doing my part um, to help, you know, um, bring information to to assist the police in um, with their investigations. So certainly, I think. From a Crime Stoppers perspective, the information that we receive, um, really, we are there to amplify the voices of the community. We're there to amplify the voices of of corporations um, as they see it. They know what's happening on a day to day basis. Um, we can't be in you know in every place at once. Um, but the more information that we have, and here we are, um, even within ourselves here, uh, you hit on the word collaboration. Um, the more information we have, um, again, um, the better it is for investigators. I think we um, are very open-minded at Crime Stoppers. Um, we're listening to the community. We're willing to try new methods, new things. Um, we're in a, a, a world of technology right now. Um, so we're, you know, different different approaches, utilizing social media, things of that nature. So we're we're willing to adapt to, to the current trends. Um, as well, the information coming in um, is important to determine trends and 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 future, you know, um, areas of, of, of where we can kind of be proactive in terms of uh, deterring criminality. For sure, and I know Pete, you have like the the higher level of of you know the view, if you will, of, of organized crime. Yeah. What are you seeing when it comes to 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 the retail aspect and and you know from from the actual organized crime groups and, and diving into this, how is it impacting the gun violence and, and all the other sort of stuff that we're seeing specifically in the city of Toronto, but obviously on the greater scope right across Canada? Yeah. You know, as Rui said, it's a, it's a, it's a demand. Yeah. And the problem is, is 
the criminals are just going to go after the money. Wherever mm-hmm. there's profit, they're going to go after whatever it takes the least amount of work mm-hmm. and is the most lucrative. And I think Ruiz got it 100% right. It's got to be an effort that starts with uh, at the level of the retail, the loss prevention officers. They've got to collect that data um, because if we can if we can get ahead of that and we can get into that information and we get all that information properly at the foundation, um, it would put together a much better investigation. So to answer your question with regards to guns and drugs and, you know, we're seeing a lot of retail mm-hmm. thefts, but we're also seeing a lot of car thefts as mm-hmm. well. Um, it is whatever they can make the most money on with the least amount of effort, right? The most lucrative business that they can get their hands on with the least amount of, uh, vulnerability for them. The drug, the drugs really, uh, there's some risk there for them, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very little risk, um, to walk into a retail store and steal a whole bunch of stuff or, or mm-hmm. however they're doing it. So, um, if we can take away the demand for that, mm-hmm then we're going to stop the organization. Yeah, 100%. And we're talking about organized retail crime. But I guess what we you know, really want to do on the other half of, of the discussion is educate the community. Um, and Rui, you know, this is a $5 billion industry that's impacting... That's based on what we know what that we is know, reported, that's reported, right? Exactly. That might be a quarter of the problem. Exactly, exactly. Um, who pays for it? Who ultimately pays for it? We do, right? The customers right. do. Um and that's the sad part. Criminals know that and don't really care. Some companies can absorb it, you know, year over year, uh, but it becomes very difficult nowadays. Everything gets transferred down to the buyer. Uh, and with the explosion of the online world, it makes it very competitive. Uh, so if you've got a wide uh, volume of how you can transact with your customer, you can, and you've got volume sales, you can afford to be a bit more competitive, uh, which means the mid and small size retailers across Canada that are the backbone of our industry really suffer because they can't be as competitive. Mm. Uh, so, but at the end of the day, everybody's got to increase their price slightly. And we're right. seeing that now with everything, you know, go to the grocery store. I think, you know, when I won't mention the retailer, went and bought some stuff for dinner last night. And I looked at a, you know, a head of cauliflower and go, wow, that's like two bucks more than I normally pay. Right. Uh, and you notice these things, right? And, you know, businesses are going to slide that in. Sometimes, you know, you slide in a little bit pricing, but reality is to compete with what's going on out there and the losses that businesses are incurring, but it's not just on the theft, right? If you think about a business today to protect themselves, they got to increase their price to recover some of the loss they mm-hmm. have, but they're also paying for security guards at the doors. Some in uniform, some in tactical to have that deterrence for these violent criminals. Mm-hmm. You have to protect your customers and your employees. So a lot more employees are demanding it, right? If I'm not, and there's choice, apparently, there's a lot of choice for young people where you can work. Yeah. So if I don't feel good about working in your organization that I feel safe, why would I work there? So you have retailers investing a ton of money into fortifying their stores, into putting guards to protect their people, uh, into limiting the inventory that's on the floor to make it, you know, if you do get hit, you get hit for less. Mm -hmm. So much cost goes into the business that, you know, even the largest organizations start to look year over year and say, now it's not just to recover the loss of that item I lost. I got to recover all this loss that I'm putting in. And at some point, I still got to make a profit. And that's the struggle for business. You know, even the larger organizations at some point, you know, your shareholders want a profit. And you, you know, you always in retail, we always talk about year over year increases, right? It, you always get measured at, against last year. That's a huge issue. I would add, Sean, that over the last several years, businesses got away from reporting everything. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, there was this, what, why bother? You know, if, if I call for a shoplifting, it may take four to five hours for an officer to attend. Nothing happens, right? So this general sense that there are no consequences, right. and we saw that through COVID. Resources are tight. Justice system was closed. The confidence in criminals rose. The prolific criminals, the organized crime, and the demand rose because people going through tough times. That hasn't stopped. But the confidence that criminals grew over the last few years has continued because there's still perceived no consequences. You know, a person is arrested today. They're a repeat offender. They might have been before the courts 20 times, but they're out this afternoon or later. And at times, some of the amendments we've seen with the criminal code aren't helping us, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, we come back to this collaboration. Nobody's blaming anyone. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen in my career in the last two years that I haven't really seen in 30 years is a sense of a stickiness of people wanting to come together and look for solutions. You know, over the last year and a half, the discussions we've had with government, with the Ministry of Attorney General, Solicitor General, Public Safety, Police Services, joining some of the efforts the RCC has put together, really, to, we're, the, we're the glue to try to bring people to the table to converse. But I've seen it gone from conversation and people want to actually see solutions. Right. So I think right now is a great time for us to continue those conversations, bring the stakeholders, because I do personally feel, and it's a feeling, but it's supported by numbers, we're losing that battle. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we are in a good place to turn that around, to turn it around so that we can start to collaborate, work together, to actually come up with some solutions that are community-based programs that really start to make an impact on the increase of crime that we're seeing, specifically the violent crime. You know, right. we've talked about guns. Um, in retail, the thieves aren't just retail thieves. As, as Bob said, you know, you got people preying upon individuals to steal, mm. uh, but that money is fun, funding guns, it's funding drugs, it's funding all these other programs uh, in the organized crime world that in retail we can make a big dent to try to alleviate some of that. And the more we report, hopefully the more police services and justice can get the resources in place to work as Bob is doing. We've got similar cooperation in Edmonton and others with retail theft units, because it's not about the shoplift. The retail theft unit is really about identifying those significant issues in retail that are having a big impact and having dedicated officers to work with business on some solutions. For sure. And, and I know when I reached out to all of you and, and said, hey, we want to do a podcast. And, and it's what we've all said, collaboration, partnerships, and the stickiness is what you're saying. Rui is, you know, why is Garda World want to be involved in this? I kind of wear two hats, as I said, to start with Crime Stoppers and Garda World. But Garda World recognizes the, the critical importance partnerships have um, on the prevention of crime and, and, and maintaining public safety. And I think bringing everybody together, and, and we have a number of clients that are on the retail side. And we see their struggles and we see their pain points. And Rui, you said it, you know, they, they have guards on site. In a large amount of, of these locations, there are guards from Garda World. Um, so there's a duty of care and a, and a, and a, and a sincere um, concern of their safety. Because as you said, right, the violence is increasing. So this is the reason why Garda World has brought all of us here together. And we'll talk a little bit about, about a Crime Stopper uh, awareness campaign that we're going to do to bring some education, um, not only to to the community, to the retailers, but also put the the bandits on notice that we are working together, we are taking a stance, um, and we're going to identify you, right? And we're going to, you know, hopefully work with law enforcement to to um, you know bring some justice, if you will, and, and stop some of the behavior that we're doing. But when we talk about the violence, what are, what are we seeing 
from from the aspect, and this is a, an open question. Whoever wants to jump in, um, and maybe uh, Superintendent, you you might be able to start this off from what we saw pre-pandemic to what we're seeing now from violence against um, employees at a retail site and even security personnel. Um, I, one of the observations <clears throat> I've made recently is the sophistication level is not increasing in relation to retail theft, mm-hmm. but just the brazenness right. of it. It's now going in. It's not trying to combat the the anti-theft device. It's walking in and, and taking a rack of clothes and walking out. It's right. walking in filling a bag full of um, alcohol and walking out. And um, although uh, violence isn't immediately attributed to that, if they're challenged in any way by a member of the public, by security or staff, um, they're, they're threatened. They're threatened with their life. They're threatened that they'll come back. They'll, they know where they live, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's putting that fear factor in it that they, although not immediately using violence, they will certainly resort to it if required. Right. And to put that in your, your staff member, your 15-year-old who's working at a local store, um, that's then frightened to go to work. Um, and it's like there's a duty f- for us all to make sure it's a safe work environment for yeah. all. And, and I understand a lot of um, stores went to the no-touch policy. Um, but through education with ourselves, we respect that because the last thing we want is somebody to be seriously injured for um, a basic theft. But you can have no-touch, but you can still um, give us uh, investigative leads. Mm-hmm. You can walk to your store window. You can walk to your property edge, give us a vehicle descriptor, give us a license plate, and provide us that starting point into the investigation, which sometimes lacking. The no-touch became almost no see and we got nothing from it. Mm-hmm. And just on a small point on the Crime Stoppers, when we started the retail theft in Halton, we started an IDME Monday, right. uh, which put uh, pictures of unknown suspects there, and we put directly into it the Crime Stoppers link. And through that, over 50% of all our Crime Stopper tips came in were in relation to retail theft, which ties into, as we've all mentioned here before, it's not just retail theft, that's going into, it can be, carjacking it could be going into robberies of drugs a lot of the time and then up the chain to the the more organized levels and those that are making a significant amount of money out of it and this is not small we have taken on files where individuals over $150,000 multiple visits to various stores but $150,000 in a six-month period just one individual right and on files that are into the millions and that's it become the sophistication comes in the organization of the grouping, not into the actual crime itself. For sure. And I know we, we spoke earlier and you, you threw out a number uh, for a project that uh, you worked on. I know we can't talk details, but what was that number? Because I think it's shocking for the listeners to understand how big this this, uh, you know, organized crime on the retail side really is. Yeah. And listen, publicly you can still go back and look it up. Project Apple was what it was called. Uh, and it was a collaboration between retailers, police divisions across the GTA, and we recovered $20 million, a little bit over that. 20, After, 20 million. 20 million. Um, and it was an organized group working across the GTA, the 401 <laughs> corridor, all the way into Quebec, uh, hitting everybody. Mm-hmm. They had a warehouse set up. Uh, they were stocking their stuff. Uh, you know, this is pre-social media being crazy, so they still had the outlet to sell all their goods. And everything from pair of jeans to hot tubs, you know, mm-hmm tractor trailers, uh, but this was all retail crime, right? And people think it's a pair of gums, theft of a jeans, 
stealing from a large organization that makes a lot of profits. But this was $20 million recovered, right? A group, six months we'd been investigating. So if you, you come back to, you pull that back to the, the issue at hand, and we talked about the organized element, there are shoplifting, you know, the opportunistic person that sees something and they steal, and for their own purpose, whatever drives that. Then there are the professionals. Mm-hmm. And we need to separate that, right? Because shoplifting, we can deal with. The professionals that prey upon us, and this is their career. <laughs> this is what they do. Uh, in, our, in my past retail life, uh, when I ran a special projects uh, out of the Bay with uh, Sears and Winners, you know, we would uh, arrest gangs. You know, their vehicles were extremely well-organized. Maps, the corridor, what they needed from, what fences they were going to stop off along the 401 to deliver the goods to continue. So their minivan would always have room for. Mm-hmm. These individuals get up. This is their profession. They work hard at it. And then they want to go away and enjoy some of that. And that's that level of sophistication you spoke about, Bob, that sometimes people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Organized crime, organized retail crime is very alive in Canada. I think I'd love to share, you know, to your earlier question. So the increase, you know, 30-year career, the number of weapons I dealt with 20 years ago were rare. Mm -hmm. You know, I had my share, but they were rare. What we hear from business now over the last year and a half you know, if you add in the, the COVID and the mass and people becoming confident and the essential services, grocery, pharma that stayed open and dealt with these individuals and no consequences, mm-hmm. right? These people are spitting upon people. They're getting violent. And I'm going to use the word Bob used, brazen. Mm-hmm. And with the lack of consequences, that confidence has stayed, whether we're using masks or not. Criminals now feel, if I go in retail, we used to, you know, we have a term called grab and run. I go in, I organize some stuff, somebody sweeps by, grabs that, and runs out of the store, waiting vehicle. They don't even run as much anymore. Yeah. They go in, they get stuff organized, and they're saying to guards, they're saying to LP professionals, saying to managers and local owners, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. But we're seeing so many more incidents of weapons, bear spray, knives, wrenches, machetes being pulled up, guns, daylight crimes to an unprecedented amount that I haven't seen this in my career. Mm-hmm. And members report this on the daily. Every single day across the country, a member is reporting weapons offenses. You know, you got a young lady, and I'll put it in perspective. I have a 17 and a 21-year-old daughter. Both work. Thank God. Good for them. You got a 17-year-old lady in a retailer recently, had a gun pulled on her, you know, foot from her head, threatened as a criminal exits that person is now out on a sick leave Mm -hmm. because she's terrified to come back into a retail environment that was fun for her before Mm -hmm. and that i want to put into perspective of the impact it has now right it's not just about somebody stealing something this is about the effect on our community our our people our young people our spouses try to intercede they may pull a weapon on me and that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. And it's that level of unprecedented crime, the violence, the aggression, the blazing acts that we happen, that's really at an all-time high. And hence, you know, I come back to this collaboration. Sure. It's, we we got to get ahead of it. For sure. And, and Pete, maybe I'll throw this at you, and maybe you can or cannot speak to it. Um, and I don't want to put you on the spot. But you know, five, $5 billion a year. Um, and we know that it's organized, right? We know it's organized groups, and we know, you know, they're using, you know, the... the uh, you know, victims, if you will, of, of society to go and commit this, this the, these crimes. But, but do you think, or, or maybe do you know, if, if this is funding the guns and the drugs and some of the other stuff from an organized level, like 
I want to try to make that nexus of shoplifting, as some people refer to a victimless crime, and then the organized part of it and how it really affects the community as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's, it, it builds. Yeah. So they're going to have to get their money, their start somewhere. Drugs are lucrative. Um, guns are lucrative. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's like the higher level. That's like you're in the, you know, you're in the big leagues when you get to the guns and the drugs yeah. and the cars and the cargo thefts. But you start somewhere. Right. And, you know, it can be an initiation process at times or it can simply be for frauds. Mm-hmm. And that's something you really didn't touch on too much. A lot of these products that are being stolen go right to frauds mm-hmm. all across the world. And and also um, a lot of these products that get stolen get returned to a different yeah. store, to a different retailer, which also creates another problem. So it absolutely is a starting uh, to uh, a higher level of yeah. crime. Um, but getting back to working together on this, if you have all these retailers having this issue and they're not communicating together, you know, there's not a single bad guy that's going to say, I'm only going to go into this one retail mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. They're going to move around. Sure. They're going to move around between all the retailers. So there really has to be an effort to build those bridges between all the retailers to get all that evidence together, to get all information together. Uh, the superintendent made a great point. Uh, I don't think we're suggesting in any way that the people get involved in in any kind of physicality, mm-hmm. but certainly license plates help. Right. Uh, let's be honest, scars help. Uh, yeah, tattoos, the, the, tattoos and so on and so all forth. These, yeah. All these identifiers help. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get to a level where we get involved at, at our level of investigation, which is the criminal organization level, we need all that information in order to to get there. We will never get a prosecution based on fragmented information from right. all over yeah. the province. It needs to be uh, it needs to be corroborated across the board in order to put together a good case. For sure. I'd love to, if yeah, you don't ahead, mind, Sean, a couple of points that both Peter and Mark brought up. So one, where it starts, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to flush that out, right? Because it starts at that level, right? What it's initiation and that. So we have a, a great opportunity through a collaborative effort from the retailer sharing that information, police action, justice action, proper diversion programs, because those repeat offenders that are before the courts a hundred plus times who get pled out and don't get the proper help will end up in a serious life of crime, right? Mm. But they start out stealing for someone for initiation. They get arrested. They go before the courts, not significant, get tossed. They're back out the same day. If we can work on identifying that issue and those people that are getting into that life of crime and have, and you know, I don't have the right answers, having those programs that are addressing that problem, that socioeconomic problem, that drug problem at the addiction level uh, and trying to get some people out of that life of crime, Mm -hmm. you know, we can make a dent. Uh, I think the other, you know, if you think about that organized retail crime, digital has helped the criminals, Mm -hmm. but we haven't Mm -hmm. leveraged it. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you know, Pete, you said it, Mark, you said it, and Toronto Crime Stoppers, we have so much information that we gather. Mm -hmm. We have so many jurisdictional issues to share this information. Privacy Act came in and everybody kind of backed off a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Laws, not sure. General counsels are advising, don't do that. And it's not a wrong thing. It's just we're uncertain. So I even see with the Privacy Commissioner of Canada working more collaboratively now, right? Advisory arms that are helping business understand 
what to do and what not to do. Bob talked earlier about doing a professional. So businesses are getting smarter about it, but we're behind <laughs> because the criminals have been taking advantage of social media to sell their goods, social mm-hmm. media to connect underground. Mm-hmm. But in Canada, we still don't have a national platform to report incidents. So Pete, I'll go to what you said. I think there is great intel, but the frustration is, you know, if I'm a retailer across the country and I'm working with 30 plus police services across the country, those services aren't talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Justice aren't talking to each other. Um, you know, across the GTA, if I go from Halton to Toronto to Peel to York and I have arrests there, they're all dealt with individually. Mm-hmm. So a, a prolific organized crime group may be dealt in those individual. It's not a jurisdiction. It's not a b- joint effort. Uh, and the crowns are prosecuting based on jurisdiction. So we have these challenges. Understood. But from a platform perspective, today's digital ability, if you look at filing an incident, it's a cumbersome process, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? I got to find how to submit it. The forms are a bit difficult. So I think if we continue to work towards how do we get that information to police? How do we leverage today's technology with AI, intelligent analytics to look at all that, bring those commonalities together and spit that information out to folks like the retail theft units in each service say, hey, there are some common elements, license plates, pictures, scars, tattoos, things of that nature. Let the technology do some of that work for police so that they can be investigated. But we struggle with bringing all that information together. And it's a challenge to bring it across the police services. And certainly, I agree, Peter, for retailers to share that with each mm-hmm. other. Because even if you want to, you have to be concerned about privacy laws and things sure. of that nature. And how is that going to, what's that going to do for my brand? Uh, am I okay to do it? So I think we have all these obstacles we need to overcome. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and retailers do a good job. Right. I mean, I came from from that life and and I know the teams that I've had, we would build cases for police to say this group here have hit us right across Ontario. They've hit us from Alberta to Ontario. And here you go. Here's the package, you know, arrest them for this and then please connect. And in most cases, we would connect the police services with each other. Um, I agree that there needs to be a platform. But, Mark, you were about to say something. Yeah, in, in terms of the information sharing, and, and I think it's collective here, um, we can see like the collaboration, the communication is essential. Um, just to, to, to hit back on, on some of the comments that were made in terms of that nexus, um, I think some of the discussion that we're having, it's really um, around preventative mm-hmm. measures. Um, and, and as uh, Detective Sergeant, you, you pointed out, um, from that infancy level of a, a minor theft, it can potentially lead into mm-hmm. you know opportunities to create that organized element. Um, it could create that opportunity um, to engage in more serious crime because that individual that has now stolen 20 pairs of shoes, they're going to have to protect that somehow. Mm-hmm. So you're now adding layers. So with the information now coming in to us and utilizing, say, the Crime Stoppers platform, um, per se, again, it's meant to be. It's not meant to be evidence. It's meant to be a lead. Mm-hmm. It's meant to to take that proactive piece of information with all the other facts and issues that police services are used or they have out there, you know, to corroborate the information to bring that um, to to lay charges. Here's information that you can have to, to now layer it and you can take that proactive approach to say, you know what, here's how we can prevent other criminality from occurring mm-hmm. if we get ahead of the game, if we understand who the players are. Um, we know that crime on a whole is a transient thing. 
It mm. just doesn't happen within the Toronto borders. Um, um, you mentioned it before. It's, you know, both locally and abroad. Mm-hmm. It can grow tentacles. It can grow legs. So, again, the, the quicker that we can have or implement, as you said, leverage technology, um, leverage all these other pieces, and the crux of it is communication. Um, you know, yes, you have an investigation active within um, Toronto, and I've done that through um, Crime Stoppers. We've had information that's um, centered here to, to Toronto, but it may have some tentacles in Peel. It may have some tentacles in York. We've taken those steps to say, you know what, you might want to take a look at this. You might want to be aware of this because, mm-hmm. you know, and communicate with this individual and here you go. Yeah. Right? I think one thing that we haven't spoken about and, and it, you know, not all products, if you will, um, but is the health risks, right? When you talk about baby formula and, and it being a, you know, a hot item to steal and then it's stored in, un, um, you know, unregular ways, if you will, that, that, it needs to be in, otherwise you could get sick from it. And and it's being, um, as, as spoken to earlier, reintroduced into the retail ecosystem as a refund or a exchange. And now you, as an unsuspected consumer, are going in and purchasing that product and there's health risks associated to it. Have you seen stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's used for other things as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're speaking of the ecosystem now as well, mm-hmm. right? So there's the stolen goods that, let's face it, Criminals aren't taking all the measures, nor are, are they under For sure. regulations to store things at certain temperature. Uh, and the person, you know, it's buyer beware. The person buying that who's getting it for half of what they normally pay is also taking the risk. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're always thinking through it no. that way, right? Uh, and then there's no avenue for them, right? There's no av- no recourse for mm-hmm. when something goes wrong. Uh, but it also speaks to that whole ecosystem, right? That self-funding. Uh, Pete, you said it, the fraud element of it now. You know, over the last couple of years... This increase, you know, online world, mm. curbside deliveries, porch piracy. Uh, the criminals are always, you know, involving themselves in everywhere they can, right? These are not dumb people. These are smart individuals that are looking for every way to make a buck and make it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, now you have professional refunders. I mean, you think about that. People have made it a profession advertising their services on social media to legitimate individuals say, hey, I know the ins and outs of a corporation. I can get you a refund on that item. Mm-hmm. You know, so you may even keep the item, right? We're going to get you a full refund. I'll take 30%. They're actually advertising their services, but they know the ins and outs. So if you think about the ecosystem in the organized crime world, and I don't have to be in Toronto to do that. Mm-hmm. I can be anywhere in the world, as you mentioned. And it's so difficult for the police then to work that, right? Mm-hmm. If it leaves the Toronto borders, it leaves the Canadian borders, trying to investigate that. So we're always in an uphill. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, my goal is to work collaboratively and kind of be the facilitator to try to bring this forward. Sean, you and I have known each other for almost 30 years in this business. I also worked with Peel Crime Stoppers for a while. Mm-hmm. The problem isn't going away. It's about making those dents. Sure. And, you know, one of my favorite movies, Any Given Sunday, for anybody who doesn't know it, watch it. But it's moving inches, mm-hmm. right? And right now we have a great opportunity that we need to start to solidify some efforts and make some inches down the field mm. where we can say we have technology be- behind us today where we can leverage for that information piece. Uh, we have people willing to. Uh, but I'll come back to the Toronto Crime Stoppers and all the Crime Stoppers. Yeah. It's a great information tool, but I don't think people really understand it for sure. well enough, right? So if I'm a 
public citizen, I see something or a business, I report my crimes to police, right? We put all the, the stress on police. Something happens, who do you call? You call the police. The perception then is police deals with it. So mm. even programs like Crime Stoppers, I would say a general population may think, well, the police will put it up, right? Mm. They'll put mm. that information, even if I'm a business owner. So I think the education, like we're doing here, the communication, but it, consistency, right? I think if we have that a chance of winning this battle is we got to do this on a consistent basis, the sure. education, the awareness, because people are inundated with information. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mentioned my two daughters. I learned through them, like trying to get their attention nowadays, their attention span is a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to listen to this, sorry, girls. And it's how, is it TikTok? How do I talk to you? And they're constantly yeah. changing. So we're fighting this battle as we're trying to get education out. How are people listening? Right. And, we're constantly doing that. So I think we for also sure. continue to explore how do we get that education out there. Yeah, for sure. And, and on that note, I'll speak to kind of what Toronto Crime Stoppers is leading. And, and we have a, a really dialed in community social media social media engagement officer within our, our unit, um, as does other Crime Stopper programs. And it's, it's how creative can you be for people to retain the information that you just showed them? And you got 20 seconds to get their attention. Um, back in 2013, Toronto Crime Stoppers led an awareness campaign on organized retail crime, which was great uh, of great success, and it went national. We're now doing a refresh of that campaign, and it's going to be launched in November of 2023. Uh, we're working on some of the details right now on the creative assets. There's going to be radio, PSAs, um, and because we're we're targeting you know the Christmas season, because that's where we're going to see a spike in in this type of activity simply because it's going to be probably the first year last year we were out and about shopping but this will be the first year where people are are actually okay but there's, there's no more covid there's no more restrictions i'm going to go out into into the retail space and buy christmas gifts um where we believe we're going to see uh you know the chaos uh the, the bandits are going to work on the chaos of, of of the busy christmas season and um we're also you know part of the campaign there's going to be a christmas jingle and our creative agency that's doing the work for us is, you know, they're, they're talking with Spotify and they're going to get that out to Spotify. Again, to create awareness, but get, grab your attention. And hopefully that attention span of what you hear or see is going to be pushed to a Crime Stoppers website or a police website. Is um, that why you brought us here, Sean? Are we to sing for this jingle? Yeah, you, 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 we are. <laughs> All right. We are. So, you so here you go here, <laughs> Superintendent. you got to <laughs> sing that. No, but it, it's, it's, it's funny. It's some of the stuff that I've seen is you look at it and you're like, hey, I get it. Um, and the end product, I think, is going to be really, really creative. Um, but the intent of the campaign is to bring attention to this discussion that we're having today. Um, and as we said it earlier, is, is, is educate the community. Um, coming here today and, and speaking, and, and I appreciate everybody taking the time. I know some of us traveled from, from a few hours away to be here. It's important. It's important to have the conversation. It's important to move, you know, inches, as you say, um, to get to the finish line. And I think when we do it collaboratively, um, we'll get there. And, and bringing, you know, Superintendent, you've come from Halton Region. It took you two hours to get here today. It's important to you. And I can tell that simply because you said, hey, I'll be there. When I called and you said, no questions asked. Rui, same thing with you. Pete, same thing with you. And Mark, same thing with you. Um, and then we also have, and I have to give a, a shout out, you know, obviously Garter World is, is behind this and we're pushing it. Um, because we see the importance of it, not only, you know, as I said, from, from our retail client's perspective, but from a duty of care, from our officer's perspective. But the setup here today was, was all done from our, our, our Montreal office. 
and they came down here. That is evidence alone that we're dialed in and we want to be part of this conversation. Um, so I want to thank the, uh, the production team, if you will, from, from coming down and putting this all together. Uh, they'll be editing this, uh, this you know, episode, if you will. We'll be pushing it out, as I said, on all the platforms. Um, but this is an important discussion to be had, and I think the public needs to understand um, you know, what the impact is on the retail community, but also on their community that, that they live in. Um, so with that, before we conclude, I'll, I'll kind of throw it around the table. You know, Rui, is there any closing remarks that you have that you want to speak to? Yeah, listen, I think initially it's uh, what you said. It's consistency. It's the marketing piece. Uh, we need to do more of these. Yeah. Uh, you know, we did a collaborative effort with OPP, Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, for March uh, for fraud awareness. Uh, but the focus was around helping the community and giving them tools uh, as a result of some of the increase we've seen on preying upon our elderly, uh, the abuse in that. So I think there's always going to be issues, Sean, that we can collaborate behind. Sure. Uh, I think commend Garda World and Toronto Crime Stoppers for doing this because it's getting the message out and then figuring out you know the hook to get the people yeah. to pay attention. Uh, and thank your team for doing all this and everybody that attended. Uh, from an RCC perspective, we're here to collaborate with whoever wants to. Uh, to get those solutions from a Rui perspective after 30 years, I'm very passionate about this. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've spent my entire career in security. Uh, there are good young ladies and men putting their lives at risk. Mm -hmm. And some people may think of that and go, come on, they're security guards. No, they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're dealing with people who pull a gun out. It's also putting stress on the industry, both private uh, security as well as retailers on how to train those people properly to deal with the things that they come on. So I'm very passionate about working together to make a difference and to try to get at it. So, you know, on behalf of RCC and myself, thank you for organizing this and thanks for everybody. And I look forward to how many more we can do this to continue to get our message out. For sure. Thanks. Superintendent, what about yourself? Yeah, like uh, Rui said, I'm very passionate about it too. I started the retail theft unit and I've taken it to four separate locations that I've been posted and carried it with me because of my level of buy-in and, and from it. And although there's no formal uh, collaboration going on, the information sharing is significant. I've been out to Alberta. I've uh, worked with Manitoba whenever they were setting up their provincial strategy and being consulted upon with Winnipeg and service throughout, and uh, you and I, Sean, present it in Ottawa. So it's something like we're willing to go because it is something that we are passionate about and it is something that I genuinely believe we can make an inroad into and make it um, just make it that much harder for people to make an actual significant um, living um, from theft because it does hit all our pockets. And I think I mentioned earlier that one of the stats that was given to me was whenever it was at $4 billion, that that hit every single household in Canada by $300 mm. because of all the associated costs mm. at the companies. And, and it's not just um, a victimless crime. It does affect the, the, the small companies, the small mom-and-pop businesses, that a loss of $500 on a day is significant and could be the difference between them turning a profit that week and turning a loss that week. So... Um, the, this here is great to, to get the conversation continue to roll. We've been having conversations with the Retail Council of Canada and we'll continue to do that as, as much as we can just to increase the awareness and buy-in from all those involved. For sure. And he, I think you said something there is we got to make it personal for the consumer. They need to understand how impactful this is 
especially now with inflation and everything being as it is in Canada, um, how it impacts them. Um, Pete, what about yourself? Any closing uh, comments or remarks? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having us. I think it's a great topic and I think it's something that uh, that's necessary. And uh, some really good points were brought up. We're seeing a, a, the world change. The world has changed mm -hmm. and we have to change with it. And I think we have to really rely on the technology, as Ruby was saying. And, you know, you compound all of that by legally allowing people to mask themselves at any mm -hmm. given time. So they're, they're able to hide uh, under these, these masks mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. the pandemic. It's, it's a big problem, but I think one of the messages that we, we're hearing loud and clear and as police officers that this is not just a property crime. Right. Um, and I started my career in retail loss prevention as I'm sure a huge portion of the police community yeah. has. We understand that it's, it's, it's very, very important. We understand the concept. We understand the public uh, needs us to stop. And, uh, and there's, there's complete buy-in from our end on this. So we're looking forward to moving forward and helping out however we can. So. Thanks. Mark, over to you, last words. Yeah, certainly uh, this was a great opportunity to have this discussion. I, I hope to see it uh, move forward. Um, from the, you know, the, the Crime Stoppers uh, perspective, um, we will certainly, I know the team that I work with in Sean and Daniela, um, we're certainly passionate in what we do in terms of getting that messaging out, in terms of getting the awareness out to members of the community, not just the community, but internally as well. Um, we understand and we strongly believe in evolution. Uh, we know that there's a lot of work to do. Um, there's different umbrellas and different things that we can utilize. Um, certainly, we're in a position um, to move in that way, and it's great to have the support of Toronto Police Service, um, Guard the World, the different partnerships um, that we see here collectively, I think collaboratively, um, we've, we've mentioned that from the beginning. Um, we can make a difference, and certainly, um, I hope to hear from members of the community. Send us your information. <laughs> Send us your information. Perfect. Thanks, gentlemen, for, for taking the time, as I said, to be here. So as we conclude, I'd like to remind everyone that community safety is a shared responsibility. See it, say it, stop it. Remember, you remain anonymous. Criminals don't. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be safe.